Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us the CEO of Global E-Commerce Experts, Mr. Andy Hooper. He's been successfully expanding businesses like mine and yours into new markets for over 15 years. So welcome to the show, Andy. How are you? Hey, Quinn. I'm very good. How are you? Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it's amazing to be on. So thank you very much for having us and we're excited to you know, chat to you and the audience and hopefully give some value and talk about what, what can help them. Nice. So listen, before we start talking about business, I found out something about you and I want to ask you. That's dangerous. What is, what is what's a petty officer of the sea cadets? Oh, God, that's going back some years, I tell you. So I, uh, as a child, I used to be in an organization called the Sea Cadets. The Sea Cadets here in the UK is a little bit like the Scouts. Everyone, you know, Scouts is a world-renowned organization. Well, the Sea Cadets is specifically focused on the British Royal Navy. So it's mm. like a, it's like the Scouts for the Navy here in the UK. So uh, I think you have things like Army Cadets, don't you, I think, in the yes, States? Yeah. So it's exactly the same, but for the Navy. All right. So I did this as a child and I went through, I wanted to be a Royal Marine and I went through um, the sea cadets and learned a lot about the Navy and the Royal Marines because it's all connected. And then when I was 18, I wanted to become a member of staff and a petty officer is a junior member of staff that helps and volunteers to help kids to go and do the same things that I did as a kid. There you oh, go. Wow. Yeah, that's there so cool. Do you have to go around selling cookies too or no? No. Okay. But, I, but but I do have to wear a uniform every now and then. Okay, <laughs> Although I've not done for a while. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so tell us, Andy, how what's your journey? How did you get into this from like from the start? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm probably uh, you know, most people are probably resonate. I'm a typical entrepreneur to a degree. I've done a whole load of different things. Um, I had I started in retail. I moved into sales. Uh, and then I decided that working in retail and sales was great, but I wanted something a bit more exciting. So I went and worked taught sailing uh, on a beach in different places around the world for the best part of 10 years and spent a lot of time just bumming around on a beach, talking to people about sailing, which I'm totally passionate about. And if you get me started, I probably won't stop. But it was a great way of getting engaged. Uh, you know, the skills I learned were coaching, you know, engaging with people, and generally having a very good time. Uh, but sometimes you get to a point in your life where you have to settle down a little bit. So I went and settled down and my job was more sailing. I was talking to people about getting more people into the sport of sailing. And that was my job. But the problem is, and most people will recognize, that you get to some point where working in what you're passionate about isn't always what pays the bills. True. And while sailing was amazing and I absolutely love it and still love it, the problem was, in order to get married, have children, get a mortgage, buy a house, have a nice car, you can't do that on teaching people to sell. So I started doing little projects on the side. And I've always been like this. I've always had little projects on the side earning me cash. Yeah. And I started flipping stuff on eBay, started selling stuff on Amazon. Then I did wedding photography. And I carried on doing all of these things for about five to six years to basically save enough cash up to set up my own business and leave employment. Um, but really, the key factor was 2008 financial crash when 
you know, the financial crash happened. None of us had any money. We all had a recession. And basically, I had all these credit cards, bills on these credit cards. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I didn't have a lot of money on credit cards. It was £5,000. But when someone else controls your money, £5,000 is a long way off because oh, you yes. can't get a £5 pay rise tomorrow. So you know, someone controls your money. And at that point, I was like, never again is someone going to control my income. and I need to find a way to solve it. So that's when it all snowballed, if you like. So since 2008, there's, there's been this snowball of ideas, opportunities, businesses, and everything fell out the back of that until 2016 when we had the idea of global e-commerce experts. That gives you a pretty quick whistle-stop tour, right? No, that, that is amazing. And, and you know what? Every entrepreneur out there can can understand what you're saying because personally, I've I've done so many different things. Like sometimes there are things that I did that I don't even remember. Uh, just if I start thinking about it, uh, then every now and then I'm like, oh my god, somebody says something like, oh, I I started uh, doing landscaping business or pressure washer business, and I'm like, oh, I remember I started one of those right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, well, as you're talking there, I'm thinking of somebody. Yeah, we did. We used to look after people's dogs when they went on holiday. Mm-hmm. We used to do car boot sales, which is a bit more of an organized garage sale, if you like, your yard sale, you know? Um, yeah, tons of things. As you see, yeah, there's so many, you know, you forget know. more than you've done, don't you? You know, oh, Andy, <laughs> do you want to know something? The other day, uh, well, um, I'm in Canada. So yep. uh, we have longer winters. And the other day, uh, it looked like spring was here. So technically it is, but I mean, in reality, nobody told the weather yet, but <laughs> we, we had this day that was so beautiful and there, it was all the, the temperature was positive. I, I mean, it was like double digits uh, above zero. And yeah. I'm like, let's start cleaning up the garage. And I went to clean up the garage and I had a stack of, you know, Vista print uh, business cards. And I went to see, and I found business cards where I was the, the CEO of this and the CEO of this baby company, a CEO of this, um, you know, uh, marketplaces that I started. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've got, in fact, I was, we moved recently warehouses and offices, mm-hmm. and I've got a cardboard box here, literally, that I was sifting through, literally, no. yesterday. And in there... I found a load of old business cards. Exactly. We, we, what's coming next? Because we're, we're going to be doing this together, I think. I can see it coming, can't you? This is brilliant. <laughs> oh, man, Andy. We're, we're the same. Where, where, where are you based in Canada? I'm in Alberta. Whereabouts is that? Where I'm trying to picture that. Um, well, it's the cold area. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, so Alberta is Western Canada. Okay. Yes. It's a uh, we're. I mean, Canada is huge, but yep. we're two thousand kilometers from the nearest sea. So, okay, wow. So, okay, yeah. Okay. I, so I don't see we... the the ocean that often. I, uh, I mean, it's it's probably easier for me to go to Portugal near you and Algarve to the beach. Uh, yeah. And uh, I do have a house in Portugal, so oh, very uh, nice. Yeah. It's, well, the only reason I say it is we're coming to Vancouver for um, holiday in in August. So the family, the four of us, are all coming to. Vancouver. Really? So I, I like to then probably not the time for this, but I like to yeah pick brains of where's great. So we do that after probably best. Yeah. Oh, Vancouver. Vancouver is a beautiful place though. It's like yeah. probably the warmest place in Canada. So, and if you come in August, so it's going to be 
very nice, very nice weather, beautiful place, yeah. nice people too. So yeah, that's I can't wait. Absolutely stoked. It's like one of those holidays where you just I need to get away, especially after the last few years when we've all struggled with that. Where do we go? What do we do? Oh, I know, I know, man. I've I've been trying to uh, either get my mom uh, to come over to visit me, or I uh, want to take the family to Europe, and we've decided like stay six months or a year there or something. But I mean, it hasn't happened now in two or three years, whatever. So yeah, I know it, it's it's building up to all of that, isn't it? We're slowly starting to 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 come out of where we were. I'm not going to talk about it. We'll just call it C for now. And we're starting to come out of that. And, and actually you can see people's excitement for traveling again, can't you? Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, we used to travel. Oh, yes. and then the airlines went wicked. We'll double the price of the tickets. Thank you. Um, but there we go. <laughs> Do you still, I, I mean, I know we're going off, off topic here, but uh, does Ryanair still exist? Ryanair does, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't think I've ever used them, but they do exist. Oh. Um, there's um, there's there's lots of those sort of uh, airlines here. They're great for you know short hops, yeah. just short hops in places. Um, there's the they they really fly out of Stansted and Luton, which are sort of north of London, and we're south of London, so it quite often doesn't work for me for a connecting flight somewhere. But oh, um, okay. there is some, there, but there is they're great at short hops. Yeah, uh, the reason why I was asking is because I remember being in Portugal and every now and then checking Ryanair to see what flights they have because they sell the empty seats. And I would be like, look, there's a flight to Paris for 29 bucks. Yeah. Right. But you can't pick what day you're going. It's whenever they they're right. It's like it's tomorrow <laughs> yeah. at 10 a.m. I'm like, OK, let's go for coffee. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Try having 29 bucks. What are you going to do? So then, then that—that's <laughs> amazing. It's some. I was listening on another podcast a little while ago, and someone said that yeah, quite often when you're running a business, it's really hard to get stuff done. And what you need to do is just get out the office. Mm-hmm. And and their suggestion was, and this was great, was get on a train, go for an hour or two train ride, get off, have lunch, turn around, and have. So not only are you having a really nice lunch somewhere that you wouldn't ordinarily go to, you're actually getting stuff done. But you've taken that to the next level by going, I'm going to go to Paris for the afternoon and have a little lunch and a coffee and then come back. I, I think I prefer that idea. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it doesn't happen anymore from here. But I do have the same philosophy where um, I I have my office set up and everything, but I don't want to every single day work in the same place. So sometimes I go and I work downstairs where my kids are running around. Uh, when it's warm, I can work outside on the deck. And I also have a basically a, a thing that I haven't done too much, but I, I've always loved is going to like local Starbucks, leaving the house, going to local Starbucks, and then just working from there. Right? People yeah. come in, come out. and <laughs> But anyway, it's just to distract your mind that... Yeah. That it's not worked, right? It's just yeah. Well, and that Starbucks thing—that's exactly what I do. So it, I don't always do the train journey. In fact, I've only done that once. But the you know, the, the just leave and just go and just go to Starbucks. My team hate it when I go. To, I'm off to Starbucks. They're like, oh no, we're going to get a barrage of emails where he's answering all his emails at once. Yeah. They're like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> but there we go. They love it, really. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, Andy, let's talk about uh, your expertise is expanding businesses and brands into Europe. Yeah. So is it still worth it? Do you know what? It's something that gets asked all the time is, you know, 
is expanding worth it? Well, I think there's a couple of different things there. That's all going to be dependent on the brand and the person, number mm-hmm. one. You know, and it's the aspirations that the person has to grow and develop their brand. No shadow of a doubt about that. But if you put it into the context of what does it really look like? So there's 550 million people in Europe. There's 28 countries. And the opportunity is broadly 70% of all of those are online buying stuff. So mm-hmm. when you start looking at the maths and the equation, you've got a massive audience of people that you can sell your products or your brand to. So from a pure numbers point of view, if you expand to Europe, there's 550 million people to expand to. If you're based in North America, you know, let's take the States, it's 335 million people. Canada's an additional 50. Or Thir- I think it's less. only 30. 30. Yeah. So we're up to 360 million, right? So you've got 360 circa million people in the US, but 550 million in Europe. So the opportunity is definitely there. There's a whole load of things to consider if, what's, where's, maybes that we can come on to. But is the opportunity there? Damn right it is. And people in Europe are ready for your products. Nice. So tell me then, what do I need to, to get started sending and selling my products to Europe? Okay, nice. So, I mean, we've over, so we work with 2,000 sellers over the past six years. And what we've been able to do, having done that, is identify what works and what doesn't work. So we're a turnkey solution. So if you expand into Europe, you can go and work with 10 different partners, service providers to solve the problem, or you can just work with just one. So people work with us because we can do everything under one roof. The Mm -hmm. advantage of doing that is we've created what we would call a success pathway. So how to successfully expand into Europe with a seven-step pathway. So I'm just going to touch on the seven, the first few steps to make it really easy. Like in order to make it a success, the first three steps are really easy. First of all, do some market research, like make sure your product is likely to be sold. Is it going to sell? Is it, is there already a market leader there that you're not going to get anywhere close to? Mm -hmm. Actually, do you see that as an opportunity? I would, but not everybody else would, you know, is there no one selling what you're selling there? You, where's the best area to sell what you're doing? in you know actually the uk might not be the best market germany might or spain might or france or italy or portugal there's so many options so the first thing is understand the market first the second thing is get compliance now there's two types of compliance you need to consider one is getting your product compliant and making sure your product is compliant with the regulations where you want to sell it and the second part is getting your business compliant to make sure the government again a little bit of cash from you selling products there in a nutshell, right? And the third step is have a solid launch process to make sure that you're launching in the right markets, in the right locations, on the right marketplaces, suitable for your products, and you're managed to be able to get your shipping and the customs done effectively to get it into a into the right place. So that gives you a snippet of the, the first four's market research, compliance. Um, third one is marketplace launch. And the fourth one is logistics be that 3pls or shipping customs nice so uh, your your point number one it made me think right away of things that i think most people don't think of and is for example when you're doing that market research you can find out is your brand name offensive in certain countries pretty one right i remember years ago mitsubishi uh when they launched the mitsubishi pajero uh, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce it the right way, but 
Yep. They couldn't sell that name in Spain was super offensive. So they had to change the name in order to sell it in Spain. Yep. Uh, and I mean, you never know what your brand name means in other places. So that, that, um, that research will, will bring that up. And, and actually there's, there's another part to that is, is that actually is the name of the product. So you know, let's take, you know, if you're, you're we, we, we talk English. Yeah, but there's yeah. Canadian English, there's US English, there's English English, British English, I should say. Yeah. I don't want to sound like we've got the coin English. We don't offend anyone. Um, but you see what I mean? There's you and, and some of the words we utilize are slightly different, although we speak the same language and have exactly. a different meaning. Like, so let me take pants, for example. Pants here in the UK are something you wear underneath your trousers, right? They're your briefs. As whereas in the States, I'm not 100% sure about Canada, but in the yep. States, pants are your trousers. So if you've got a product that says, take your pants off, here in the UK, we go, I'm not taking my pants off. Like, <laughs> you could be talking about, is it a great example of, you know, what, 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 the, how you can yeah. fall foul of the name? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that, that's perfect. Uh, so um, when, when shipping, let's say, I I go to a service like Global Commerce Experts, and you guys can, if I don't have a VAT, you can set that up for me. Yeah. So the the, the great thing with what we do is we're in in a unique position where no one else can do what we do, where we do everything under one roof. So, you know, you're like, okay, Andy, I want to expand to Europe. What's the strategy? Right. We can give you the strategy because we can see what thousands of clients have done and what works for them. Mm-hmm. But coming back to your point about the VAT, it could be, well, actually, I need to be VAT registered. Well, where do you need to be VAT registered? What's the right location for your brand? So, you know, depending on where you want to be is going to depend on where you do it. So the answer is, yes, we can do that. But the question is, what's the best strategy for your company and your product? Because if you deal with us, the advantage is we're not going to try and sell you just VAT. Right, because a VAT company is only going to be able to sell you VAT. So they're going to be mm-hmm. like, "Well, you need to register in every country in Europe," and I'm going to be like, "Well, if you do that, you've got no money for products." Like we're here to successfully expand brands into Europe, and if you spend, let's say, five thousand pound on VAT, you don't need. You can't put that five thousand pound into stock. I would rather, because we do everything under one roof. We we've got a long term play with, you, with with our sellers. We don't need to try and make a quick buck on your VAT, because that's all we can do you for. We want to work with you to successfully expand you. So we can we can work with you across all of our services to make a little bit of profit, because we're in a business, we want to make a profit, right? Yeah. To reinvest, to, to help more sellers. But the reality is, is that you know, if we're taking money up front for all this VAT, you can't expand successfully because you haven't got money for ads. You haven't got money for whatever else it might be. And I think that's a tragedy, personally. So that's where we work really well. So we would advise you and say, well, actually, what's the best strategy for your VAT? Actually, what's the strategy that's going to work best for your brand? What is the market research telling you? You, Because you, someone will tell you one thing, we're going to tell you another. But depends on how your vested interest is or depend on what you're told. <laughs> So if, if, my, if my goal is to sell VAT as a great example, and that's because you use that, my goal is we need to do pan-EU European. Well, yeah. I've got to sell you nine countries VAT. Well, the reality is in your first year, you're not going to make that money back in France, Italy, and Spain, probably, 
because or Sweden or Poland or Netherlands because you won't sell enough stock. So it's a complete waste of money. Like, why would you waste your money? And that that's that's where we'd really tailor our solution to help a client. Gotcha. And that is perfect because I am the I hate waste. So I uh, I cannot stand waste in, in in anything. It doesn't matter. Even if it's my kids' leftovers, I cannot let them waste. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and there's so much waste. And yeah, one of our key things is about trying to be carbon neutral. Like, how are we going to get there with ships being trunked and road freight everywhere? I don't know, but we're going to do it. But coming back to that waste, it's really important. How does, you know, how do we reduce the waste? How do we reduce and make the seller's experience of expanding seamless. But how do you make sure they don't waste their money along that journey? Because the translation company will tell you you've got to translate all your products straight away. Well, I'm going to say do it for free on Google first. Then once you start seeing sales, start paying for native tongue, whether that be in Portugal or France or Germany or wherever, we want to do that one by one, you know? And that's really important to avoid that waste. Talking about waste, there's something that, uh, the the bigger that you get, the more it's going to cost, and it's like storing inventory in a lot of places. So, if if I expand to to Europe and I'm selling not just on Amazon but Shopify and everything, do I have to have my inventory in a third party warehouse? I have it at Amazon in the UK, Amazon in Germany, and like I don't know, like fifteen warehouses with with a thousand of beach units, do I have to do that? Or what's the best solution to save inventory? So how we work with our clients is to reduce that because you're quite right. You know, you could have stock all over Europe. And the reality is most people don't want to put money into stock they don't need. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work. So a strategy that we would typically use with one of our standard clients that is shipping, you know, into Europe and selling on Amazon and other platforms, which we'll come to, right? So what happens is they send a container into our UK distribution center and into our Netherlands European facilities, right? So we've got facilities in both of those. And they're strategically, we can come on to why they're there at a later date. But what happens is we then unload the container. Half of that goes directly into FBA, into Amazon. And it goes into Amazon's fulfillment network and let Amazon do its thing with that in the UK. That's where you do that. And the other half, you keep, and then you can fulfill from the other platforms you're on. So if you're utilizing a warehouse and you're storing stuff in, which is the right way to do it, you're putting buffer stock into Amazon, both in the UK and in in, in Europe, right? You put stock locally and then buffer stock in. By far the most cost-effective way of doing it. It means you never run out of stock. And it also means that you know, you, you've got the availability to launch on other platforms. So you've got stock in our warehouse, My goal is to successfully expand you. If that stock is sat there doing nothing, you're not earning money, you're losing money. So what we want to do is we work with you and say, well, that other half of a container, where else can you maximize your opportunity to sell those products? So it could be eBay. It could be a Shopify store. It could be other marketplaces that are relevant to your product. Because if that half a container sat there, even if you're selling a handful of units a day, or a handful of units a week, either by SKU or by brand, you're utilizing our services and you're reducing your cost while it's here. Like, you know, if you're sending a carton out a day, you know, let's say you've got 24 units, right, in a carton, you're shipping 24 units 
you're outside of Amazon every day and it takes you three months to sort of fulfill back in. Well, all of a sudden you've got 90 cartons that have gone out. You're not paying storage for, you've actually earned money on. Like that's a bonus. Exactly the same in Europe. The advantage of being in the Netherlands is that you can ship from the Netherlands to all of the European countries really easy. And you can ship directly into Amazon FBA, which puts it into the rest of the Amazon network. So Mm -hmm. You don't need lots of warehouses. You just need two, one in the UK, one in the Netherlands, and then utilize and maximize Amazon's FBA where you can. Nice. Gotcha. So um, one of the things that I tried, it was actually having, for example, the inventory in Amazon UK and then have Amazon fulfill my Shopify orders. Yes. Uh, And uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the cheapest thing. It wasn't the easiest thing because then we had to get an app that would search the nearest country because Shopify would sell in all Europe. It, it wouldn't, uh, it, right? So it would have to pick which Amazon location to ship from. And uh, man, it was it was logistically a, a nightmare. So it was okay, one of those things that I wanted to hand out to somebody else. Yep. <laughs> so uh, and I think Amazon, you. And actually, it's a great way to start when you if you don't want the additional cost of a 3PL and you just want to put all the stock in Amazon, actually, you're quite right. Amazon can fulfill that stock for you. It's a lot more expensive or it's certainly more expensive. But if you're doing it as a trial or you're just launching your website and you think you're only going to get one order a week or one order a day, well, quite honestly, you might as well have all your stock in Amazon. But if you're maximizing the opportunity of having your buffer stock and quite honestly, I personally believe that you need buffer stock to make sure you're not going out of stock in mm-hmm. Europe if you're based outside of Europe. And also you need seller-fulfilled prime registered in those locations as well. So if Amazon decides that you can no longer send stock in because we've had a C breakdown and everyone shut their doors and you can't send anything else into Amazon, you've got seller-fulfilled prime ready to go. And I think that's a key tactic that people need, not necessarily when they're starting out, but it's a tactic as they're growing and scaling to make sure that they're not at the um, they're not beholden to Amazon's policies and Amazon's procedures. You're more dynamic and you can flex should you need to. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I love that because one of the things I hate it doesn't matter what country you're in is running out of stock kills the momentum that you've been building. Because a lot of people try, like, I'll close my listing. I'll, I'll, I'll remove the image so I, the listing gets suspended. And by the time I get my inventory back, uh, I'm back in the same place. Well, the truth is, the second anybody runs out of inventory, Amazon puts another product in your place, right? You dis- your listing disappears the second you don't have inventory. So you will not, it is impossible that you will keep your BSR not not the BSR matters, matters for anything, but um, the, the keyword rank and everything, it will, it will drop. So um, I hate and that's running the, out of and stock. That's the problem. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crucial. And, and when you're operating in another, you know, another continent, like managing that's really, really key. And that's why we typically say send a container in or you know, a, a, a number of pallets, but, you know, send it into Amazon. And then you know that you've got a 90 day window 
You need 90 days worth of stock in our warehouse at all times, give or take. So yep. you're constantly feeding in and you're constantly controlling that feed so the stock's going in. And you can use FIFO terms, first in, first out, you know, whatever works, depending on the products. You know, we work on that broad basis for most of our clients. So you, haven't, you don't end up with one carton full of like, you know, dust because you've seen it come back from somewhere of like a, an inch layer of like muck on top like so we work on a first in first out to make sure that doesn't happen but you know the stock you can then you can then process it you can feed it through and you know that you've got that back up as well um but working with partners you know or, or suppliers that can see your bigger picture help with that you know if we're doing your shipping your vat and everything else we can see that you know, we can help advise on that. We're there to support the growth. Yeah, you know, we've got growth managers here that are targeted to get people to 80% of their US sales. So that's their target. They're there, they work with our clients, and their target is 80%. No sales target. They're not salespeople. They're there to targeted to help people scale and grow. Mm-hmm. And when people are, when we're looking at people's accounts, these are the things we're looking at. You know, you you need to make sure the stock is. Where's the stock? When's it coming in? We need 90 days. Because they can see the warehouse, they can see VAT returns, they can see your Amazon account. Just makes sense. So, Andy, what is the best country currently? Yeah, I remember it used to be between UK and Germany, uh, and I'm not sure what it's at now. Like, who's the best country for selling online? Uh, so that's going to depend who you ask, and it's yeah. going to depend on what products you sell. So everyone's got a slight bias. There was a recent report, great report that came out from Channel Advisor, I think it was, that gave a list of all the um, you know, marketplaces or countries that were biggest. Uh, mm-hmm. UK in that one was bigger than Germany. But what I typically say to sellers is if you sell on Amazon, the UK and Germany typically account for two thirds of all sales in Europe on those two marketplaces. Depending on your product, it depend if one's bigger in one or, one or the other. Makes no difference, but it gives you an idea that the UK and Germany account for two thirds of sales. All of the other countries make up for the other third. So, you know, France, Italy, Spain, Germany, uh, sorry, Poland, Sweden, uh, Netherlands, all of these start adding up, but they only account for a third, as well as UK and Germany account for two thirds. So that, that when you start talking launch strategies, where should you launch first? Well, if you can launch in two countries and it gets two thirds of all sales on Amazon in Europe, where are you going to go? That makes sense. Sure. Exactly. Got it. I, I did try, uh, and like you said, it is product specific. So I did have one test. It wasn't a test. It was actually a product that we sent to everywhere in Europe. And for some reason, Germany was selling as much as Spain. That's how poorly we were performing in Germany for that product. Yeah, uh, uh, the UK and Italy per- seemed to be doing great for that, and, and it was in the uh, the beauty space. Uh, but for some reason, maybe the Germans are all beautiful and they didn't care for that. So, <laughs> and, and actually, that that's a really great point. That whole market research point we talked about earlier, there were just some things that just don't work in some of those countries. You know, supplements in you know, Italy and Spain don't even bother. In almost in some in, in our experience, right? But in France, on CD discount, not on Amazon, they absolutely fly. They they just I don't know what they just fly on CD discount, like because you know, marketplaces are very different in each country. Amazon isn't the biggest marketplace in most of the European countries, so actually you need an omni-channel approach with 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 Europe, and that's where you you start looking at different options like CD discount or other. 
Um, so you're right. You know, different products have different peaks and troughs or, or, or yeah, in each country. Nice. Nice. I did hear about uh, marketplaces like uh, I think o OLX. It was big in some, some of the European countries. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we did look into that. I, I'm not selling anything in OLX. I'm not even 100% sure how it works. But uh, we, we did kind of look into it because of that. Yeah. So, Andy, tell me something. One of the things that people, they're listening to us and they're like, okay, I, I want to go into Europe. I want to expand right now. I want the global e-commerce experts to do everything for me. But I'm worried how much it's going to cost. So, can you put people's minds at ease or uh, is it going to be something astronomical? No, I mean, there's, so we have what we call a golden ticket. Okay. We're like the Willy Wonka of expansion. Okay. Nice. So the idea is, is that, you know, you can, you can have our services individually, you know, no problem at all, or we can bundle them together and say, well, look, you want to expand. And those packages typically tailor anywhere from 3000 pounds to 30,000 pounds, depending on what you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you want us to do absolutely everything, you know, you want us to do um, all of your marketplace launching, run your Amazon account, do your VAT in four countries, five countries, you want a responsible person, you need label product compliance, you know, and run your account for six months, it's going to cost you north of 20 grand. Of course it is. But if you come in with a sensible approach and you are a smaller seller and, you know, people have got two things. They've either got time or time and no money or money and no time. And depending on where you are as an entrepreneur on your journey is going to depend on whether you say to me, Andy, is 20 grand, go make it happen. Or say, actually, here's 3,000 pounds and I'm going to use all the education you've got online in the webinars, the tutorials and everything else and use all of that and go and make the rest happen. Honestly, I don't mind. All I want you to do is successfully expand into Europe and however you utilize us to maximize that opportunity I want you to do that. Everything we do, all of the advice we give is online. Like we don't hide anything. So it's just a case of whether you've got the time or the cash and how you want to make that work for yourself. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's very rare that somebody has both. So if because uh, if you do have money, more than likely you are running out of time or your time is worth more than you trying to learn certain new things. I, I surely uh, appreciate that because I find like I'm running out of time because I'm getting old. So I, I want to try to save as much time as possible because uh, I already had enough time to save money. So uh, not that I not that I have enough of that either. But <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's a really great point, isn't it? You know, as, as entrepreneurs, people listening, you know, I remember when I first started, you know, I, I looked at YouTube and learned how to do everything, everything. on YouTube, right? And I take no shame from that. And anyone listening who is sat there thinking, oh, well, I don't know how to start and I'm not sure how to get started, right? You're living in a dream world. Everything you need for everything in the world, other than launching CellarX, I think we discussed earlier, is probably, probably even that now in Elon, I guess, is online on how to do it, okay? Everything is there and available for you to go and learn how to do it. Take that opportunity. But if, you've, if, you've, if you don't want to do that and you're like, geez, I ain't got time to do that. I just need someone who knows what they're doing and I'm happy to pay for them to make sure it happens. Then, then that's the way to do it. But we're all in different situations and we've all got different time and resource available to us. Utilize what's available to you. Totally. Awesome. So Andy, tell me, uh, where can people find more about you, find those resources that you're talking about and 
everything about you. Yeah, amazing. So um, global e-commerce experts, we successfully expand e-commerce brands into Europe. In order to gain contact with us, just Google global e-commerce experts. You know, we, we, we probably hopefully will come up in most, uh, most um, search engines. Uh, if on obviously on all the social channels, you can reach us, you know, if you're active on, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn, you whatever works best for you, Instagram, you can connect with us any of those ways. You can reach out to me. Best way to get to me is on LinkedIn. Just search for Andy Hooper. I'm the go-to guy for e-commerce sellers expanding into Europe. You can find me really, really easy on there. Um, I'm open to conversations and chats with people to support them. I might feed you into some of our team, but we're there to support people to expand into Europe. We're happy to have a chat. We do free consultancy because we can do the whole service. We don't need to sell our consultancy. We don't need to sell VA. We don't, we're there to support sellers to successfully expand into Europe. And that's what we want to do. Amazing. So uh, Andy and everybody listening, I'll have a global experts uh, website on the show notes. I'll also have Andy's LinkedIn there. Uh, so you can connect and message him directly or anything you need. Andy. Wonderful. Thank you so much, man. This was this was incredible. Quinn, thank you very much. It was amazing to be a part of the show and thank you for having us. It's a pleasure.